welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. So, um, we did this uh, series called Godspeed, and really it was about slowing down to catch up with God. And uh, I absolutely loved that series so much. I never got a chance to preach because it was like four weeks and then it was Easter. And uh, so um, I've been sort of meditating on that whole slowing down, really. And yesterday we spoke to the women about slowing down our minds because in a world where everything is just demanding and so uh, pushing us to race our minds forward and to go faster and faster, Um, that we actually find that we can't find peace, we can't find rest in the midst of this chaotic, mad world that is demanding so much of us. So yesterday with the ladies I spoke about how do you find peace in that place, uh, which is very, very possible. And so just pop up the Godspeed, um, uh, Dusan, thank you. And so what I wanted to speak about, I was so absolutely thoroughly thrilled that James nearly preached my message today. Uh, And the last song was very much uh, uh, on my message, and we don't really consult one another to say, well, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Because we know that what God wants to say. And he has linked this morning already, uh, so I'm like only burst into tears like, yes, I've got the right word. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So this morning I just want to revisit the God speed. And God speed is all about slowing down to catch up with God's walking at a pace uh, that Jesus uh, walked, and, you know, three miles an hour, they reckon, is the average speed that we walk. And so it's all about sort of kind of breathing, getting a rhythm in your life, not just this sporadic way of living that doesn't produce fruit. And so this morning, I want to talk about slow faith. Now, as uh, James was saying, it's one patience is something that is quite hard to manifest sometimes. Uh, I know for Kevin, we we go for a meal, um, and I love going for a meal. It's amazing. We we sit down, and I love the fact that we can talk. We can be in a different environment. Um, Kevin was a joiner, carpenter at one point, so the only annoying thing about going out and being in a restaurant is he lifts the tablecloth up, gets his head under the table, and he has to see uh, how the table is made. And so for a while, I'm talking to myself because Kevin's under the table. (laughs) So that pretty much happens every time. And according to how good the restaurant is, is how well the table is made. Is it dovetailed? Is it, what is it? You know, is it going to fall apart? Gives it a bit of a shake. But the most annoying part that my dear husband, Kevin, does is when we have finally had our lovely meal, it's been fantastic, and then he asks for the bill. Now, if any of you have been out with Kevin, at this point, he starts to get fidgety. Not because he has to pay, but because they're not taking a quick enough time from presenting the bill to asking him for his card. So there's this time in between we get the bill and he starts, and I'm like, this is nice, this is a chill time, this is just, you know, finish off the evening, let's just do it nice and slow and enjoy every moment. It's cost us, you know, ridiculous amount of money when we could have cooked it at home. And, uh, and so he's getting so fidgety, and he gets almost like, I'm just going to stand up, and I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go to the till, because they're not coming with it. Why is it? And every time, it's like a record that just goes round and round and round, going, why is it when you have the bill, they just don't come and pay you any attention, but the rest of the meal, they're there going, are you okay? Was the food good when you're trying to eat your food? 
and you can't respond. And so it's this record that goes on and on, and it's like the patience of the man is zero. So our evening ends up in a bit like I get all peppery with him. Oh, for goodness sake, Kevin, just relax and chill. And so by the time we get home, we're probably not talking to each other anyway. <laughs> so he has, you know, I can talk about him because he's not here, right? It's what he, do, it's what he does to me. Um, and I'm, my patient wears really thin. I don't like walking slow. I hate walking slow. I actually have quite a big stride because and I can keep up with Kevin, the size of Kevin's stride, um, because I just hate meandering. You know, if you're going to go somewhere, go somewhere. Don't meander on the way, unless we're shopping. That's different. But I hate that kind of, let's just get there. It's just, what, what is this thing? And so there's part, it's, we just want fast, you know? We think fast is better. You know, fast is something that is going to produce r- results. But it's not actually the case because if we're always doing fast, we're maybe not achieving the fullness of the thing that we should be doing. Or we're not enjoying and taking time in the thing that we should be part of or actually producing because we want to go too fast. We want to go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and next thing because I would achieve so much more. But have you ever been frustrated that you actually didn't do the job properly? did it too fast. You didn't experience it enough because you did it too fast. And so today I want to talk about slowing down because we're in a culture where it's getting faster and faster and technology is just causing that even more, that we're distracted. We can only concentrate for 20 minutes at the most before we have to pop on our mobile or go to this or go to that. And, And as I was telling the ladies yesterday, they've actually Teachers are struggling with kids at school because the kids are not having patience to sit down and write because it's not quick enough. So we've got a challenge ahead of us. If we keep on going this fast, well, maybe we'll implode. I've no idea. Maybe we'll explode. Who knows? But we really need to somehow do everything that we need to do but slow down. If you feel stressed, if you think anxiety, If you feel that tenseness, you never had that thing in your gut where you just feel tense and you don't know why, we're probably going too fast. So I want to help you this morning. Experience is becoming a substitute for relationship. I heard the other day that people don't even ask each other out these days. Just kiss. (laughs) That's, I was shocked. Call me old-fashioned, but I was shocked. I'm like, you didn't have the that moment when you just... I mean, Chaz even asked Kevin whether he could go out with Heidi. Salute. But, yeah, everything... So, but experience is, is substituted a relationship. And that's how we're doing it with God. We're actually not taking time for relationship. What we want is to go from experience to experience. Because if we can get an experience, then we think we've got intimacy. Are you with me here? Our relationships are set up to be consistent, to be steady and attentive to somebody else. That's what relationship is all about. And so we have to be careful that our faith is not experienced faith. That we're not going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, but we actually need to slow down our faith. And I'm going to show you how and why. 
So there's this woman, this this woman that has uh, written a big book called. I don't know what one. It's all coming. It's in there, but it's not coming out. Okay. So you can laugh. It's fine. She's called Alicia Britt Cole, and she's written this book called Sacred Slow. And it's actually been quite a life changer for me. I've been slowly going through the book. And she says this. Now, you'll like this. This makes a lot of sense. We have a fast, experiential, adrenaline-addicted culture that confidently calls physical spikes energy and spiritual spikes inspiration. And when the physical and the spiritual align, when we feel something tangible in our senses while thinking something spiritual in our minds, are you still with me? We call it intimacy with God. Because we are so based on experience and not on relationship. So I want us to build our faith through relationship, not go from one experience to another with a chaotic faith. Now, experience is good. I've had some incredible experiences with God. But that's not the basis of my faith. That's a moment with God. This is what she says. We make mistakes. We, we mistake the intense surges of experience as spiritual strength. Fast faith lives surge to surge, ever alert to formulas and combinations that help the feelings linger. Have a bit of an honesty of our heart right now. Have you ever done that? That you're looking for a formula or you're looking for a combination that you got a breakthrough with before, and now you're thinking, if I recycle that again, I might get the same result. I remember a lady came round my house when um, quite a few number of years ago, and she had a pain in her back, and that's all she said to me. So um, I laid my hands on her back, and I just started praying. And uh, I don't know whether you are used to the gift of tongues, but God gave me this heavenly language that I'd never heard before. Honestly, it was ridiculous. I sounded Chinese. And I had no idea what on earth was happening, what on earth I was doing. But she went home. She was like, yeah, yeah, it feels actually feels better. And then three weeks later, she went to the hospital, and she'd got a, a cyst the size of a grapefruit on her ovaries, which I didn't know about, which had completely disappeared. So I'm like, God, I have no idea what that was, that, that Chinese kind of thing. It worked. <laughs> so I thought, that's a formula. Ah, that is going to produce a miracle again. That's going to produce faith. So I started speaking Chinese over everybody. <laughs> guess what? No result. Because faith is not based on a formula or a combination, okay? And that's, you know, I thought maybe it'll linger a bit longer. Fast faith interprets the waning in between the surges as a lack of devotion or an absence of God. Been there? Yeah? We're having honesty this morning. Hurts, doesn't it? (laughs) Really hurts. Um, Fast faith is a restless spirituality that craves what is new and what is next, or recycled hope that the latest it can satisfy, that the latest it can satisfy disappointment of heart. That spirit, that, that kind of restlessness of spirit, like, well, if I could get into the next new, then my faith will come alive. If I could just spiritually kind of find the next it, 
then I think I could produce more. And it's actually a striving that comes for that, but it's too fast. We're going too fast. We're going too much on experience, faith, and feeling of faith because faith is not a feeling. Faith is a substance. So depending on what our feelings are, we can't face it. Fast faith is depending on feeling, not on substance. So God is the only constant. He's the one who remains. And he designed us to be even and steady in his relationship and our relationships and our walk of faith. Are you still with me? I will bring scripture to you in a minute. So if we're really, really honest with you, with ourselves, we're living in a fast world, but actually everything's pretty slow. God designed it as slow. So for instance, conception to birth, slow. Development of kids, slow. The seasons are slow. Inventions are slow. Discoveries are slow. Careers are slow. Seven years down the line and then you specialize in something else. They're slow. And the kingdom of God is slow. The kingdom of God is slow. It says here in Matthew 13, 31. You've got your Bibles, turn to them. Is Chaz the only person who brings a true, authentic, black, no, Burgundy Bible? Laura, should we do a Bible? We should do a Bible revolution, shouldn't we? I saw this lady walking down the road the other day with a Bible. And I thought, good on you, because I know you're a Christian. Well, she could be a Jehovah Witness or something like that, I suppose. <laughs> So it says in Matthew 13, verse 31, and I love this. Another parable, this is Jesus. He put forth to them saying, the kingdom in heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. The kingdom of God is slow. Start small and increases. Start small and grows. It's not an instant. It's a constant. Thank you, Heidi. Couldn't find the word. Jesus was born as a baby. He didn't just come down from heaven, hang himself on a cross. He came as a baby. Because the kingdom of God is slow because there is a process and there is a building and there is a laying upon laying and there is a purpose to everything. It's not just this fast flash in the pan. The first miracle he did was 30 years in the making. And you want a miracle yesterday. Are you understanding me this morning? The kingdom of God is slow. All we want to do is have fast faith and get fast results because that makes us feel better. Joseph was 22 years from dream to reign. David, 15 years from anointing to reign. Paul, 10 years from conversion to ordination by the church to be an apostle. Slow. Take a deep breath this morning because we're going to be really slow. We're going to talk like Texas. Y'all, real slow. We used to have a guy from, uh, where was he from? 
No, not Colorado. But anyway, deep south. Yeah. And you used to like ask him a question. It'd be like, well, <laughs> y'all know. It's like, whoa, okay. Patience. You see, we think that fast faith will bring quick results, but it can't bring quick quick results. It's just like me going out to Tesco's and buying a bunch of flowers. I want flowers, so I go and buy the cut flowers. I bring them home, but they'll be dead in seven days. What I need to do if I really want to have flowers in my, my house every week is go a seed, buy a seed, buy a plant, plant it in the ground, let the flowers continually keep producing. In actual fact, the more you cut the flowers up, off more comes, and then I can have constant flowers. And we're expecting our faith to just suddenly do something, but we haven't put the preparation and the growth in to see it come to pass. So the Bible says that that the kingdom of God is like good seeds scattered on the ground. It takes time. It's yeast in leavened bread. It takes time. It's like a mustard seed. It takes time. It's slow and consistent and steady. And that's where we've got to get to in our lives, that our faith is consistent and steady. Okay? I want to help you take frustration out of your life. I want to help you get disappointment and frustration that you think God should have come through for you by now. Or you think change should have happened. Or you think breakthrough should have happened. And you're sitting here frustrated, possibly even angry at God that he hasn't done what he promised and said he would do. Come on. Okay, so there's three things I'm going to take you through about slow faith. Is that okay? You still with me? Who's that? Oh, that's right. Okay, just can't see it. So that that dance was because I need to see the clock. Okay, <laughs> my exercise is for the Pyrenees. So and together now. So number one, have you got a notepad or you got something so that you just, even if you never re- read the notes again, it actually helps you process it. Okay, so slow faith produces a vulnerability in our humanity. And this is a bit we don't like, but a strength in our spirit. Now, can you put that picture up for me, um, Dusan? I was out walking, doing my training. Yes, you can sponsor me if you like. Uh, and I came across this little guy. Actually, yeah, it wasn't little. It was huge. It was really, that's what stopped me. You know what this is, right? Do you know what this is? I like that. (laughs) That was great. I could not have said that better. (laughs) And I came across this guy, and here he was on the road. And, uh, you know, I simply could have stood on him. (laughs) I remember at school once, this guy chucked a worm on me. We were doing PE, and I hate worms. My brother used to tease me by cutting the rind off of bacon, putting it in the fridge, and then he'd say, hold out your hands and close your eyes. And the rind of the bacon used to feel like worm in my hand. I'd throw it up in the air. He only did it once, but cruel. That's my brother. That's actually Andy's dad, just to let you know. (laughs) So this guy throws a worm on me thinking I'm going to scream, and I think the only thing I can possibly do right now is not scream. It landed on my leg, so I managed to pick it up and fling it back at him. Greatest moment of my life. So here's this guy here, and I thought, well, 
he's actually on the road. He's not meant to be on the road. He's meant to be on the mud. He's meant to be in the mud. And I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm thinking about, as I'm going around, I'm, I'm thinking about the slow. And here's this slow worm making its way across the road. And I'm thinking, how vulnerable are you right now? You need to get to the other side. You need change. You can't hang around, mate. You are totally vulnerable. And I thought, how much does that feel like our humanity when we are waiting for God to do something and all we need is change? We're in the middle of change. We're in the middle of adjustment. We don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, all our emotions, all our fears, all our insecurities They just come flying high. We just forget about the promise, forget about who God is, and start just getting frustrated and just not knowing how on earth we're going to go. And you feel so vulnerable in that time because you don't know what's going on. All you want to do is fill in the gaps. All you want to do when God says, oh, this is your destination, by the way, but I'm not going to tell you how you get there. And you start filling in the gaps. That was like when we went on pastor's training and we thought we were going to be going to Spain to plant a church. And our oversight said to us, look, just lay it down. And we're like, what? Lay it down? I've been praying for Spain. I can see curly-haired Spanish kids in our church as I pray and all sorts of things like that. And it was like, yeah, we're going to Spain. Now we've got a curly-haired child. (laughs) See, God answers everything, right? And so, and here we are, and our over says, just lay it down, lay it down. You're a pioneer of church, but let God speak to you. And uh, so there we are, and God hides, really, what we are, where we're going. He sort of hides it from us, because what needed to happen was an adjustment needed to happen. Have you ever seen basketball players, and they're positioned on one spot? They've got the basketball, they can't move their feet, because they'll be disqualified. I presume that's right. No, so that's fine. So, and, and, and the only thing that they can do is pivot. So in that adjustment, they might have something on this side, but they know they've got to throw the ball this way, or they've got a blockage there, and they've got to actually throw it over here. And what they can do, even though they're planted in that same place, don't know where they're going, they can pivot. And you and I... That God wants us to, in that time when we don't know what's going on, maybe you need to pivot. Maybe there's a small adjustment that he's got to do, but in your humanity, your uh, emotions are flying high and you're feeling vulnerable, and that stops you from hearing the voice of God. Because it's in moments like this where we are all in those places at some moment of time where we do not know what God is doing. And uh, Manoah was a guy in Judges 13. You still with me, by the way? Okay. So here's Manoah, and you don't really, he's the father of Samson. Imagine having a son like Samson. Well, actually, you guys, Beatrice and Ben, you pretty much have, have you? But your strong son, short hair, but nearly. And so here it is in Judges 13, and you, you read the chapter, and Uh, an angel of the Lord turns up to Manoah's wife and he says, you're barren, but you're not going to be barren for much longer because I'm actually 
you're going to get pregnant and, you know, you're going to have a son and he's going to actually take the oppression of the Philistines off. But what I want you to do is I don't want you to drink wine or anything like it. And I don't, what's the other thing? Wine uh, and nothing unclean. Don't eat anything unclean. So this angel, the Lord, turns up and speaks to Manoah's wife. And then Manoah's wife goes back and says, oh, by the way, I'm going to get pregnant. And he's like, this, this dude, this awesome-looking dude, I don't know who he was, came and spoke to me. And Manoah's going, really? Like, wow. And he's like, as soon as he hears, he goes, but what's the plan? What is the plan? What, how are we going to raise this kid? What, what school is he meant to go to? Uh, what, what's the plan? And she goes, well, he just told me, don't, don't drink alcohol and don't eat anything unclean. And so... Manoah's getting really sort of touchy, and he says, look, we need this guy to kind of turn up again. It's like, speak to me. Speak to me what to do about the plan. Well, the angel of the Lord presents himself to the wife again, and the wife runs off and says, he's here, he's here. He's this, this amazing-looking guy, he's here. Come and see him. And then Manoah's first question to this angel of the Lord is, what's the plan? This guy, this, our baby is going to be who he says he is. We've got to bring him up right. We've got to do all the right things. And he's still asking for the plan. And the angel turns to Manoah's wife and says, just as I told her, she's got to drink the right thing. She's got to eat the right thing. Because this boy, Samson, uh, he delivers uh, Israel from the Philistines. But Man- all Manoah could think of is, I need a plan. I need the plan. I need the details to work this through. But God doesn't need us to have the details. He needs us to have the trust in our vulnerability that he has got it and he is the great I am in your life. Because faith, slow faith is built on trust. Slow faith is when you can't see, then you trust. Uh, You know, if, if... you are blindfolded. Those who've gone blind, their hearing is sensitized. So maybe in your point of not knowing, maybe in the fact that you can't see, your hearing is sensitized. Maybe. Maybe that's what God is doing with you so that you can make an adjustment and get to the other side. Because we need to hear, not feel, hear what God is saying. So I'm hoping I can just relieve you a little bit. You see, Paul, as uh, James said, Saul, there he is on the road to Damascus, and he gets knocked off the horse and meets with God. And the angel of the Lord says, you know, go to Damascus and just wait. And this, here's Paul, blinded. And he has to be... And he says, I'll speak to you when you're in Damascus. Paul was blind for three days. He had to be led by the hand for three days. Imagine him waiting in Damascus thinking, well, I don't know whether it's day or night, do I? Because I can't see. But three days is a long time to wait for someone to be sent to then be told what to do. And so I'm convinced that in that three days, that Paul is then adjusting to this God who has met with him on the road to Damascus. And these three days, he's listening and preparing his heart for what God might say to him.
And so if you can't see, it's okay. But let your hearing start to become sensitized to what God is saying, okay? We walk by faith, not by sight. So we need to listen. Are you still with me? So just quickly, the second one, slow faith produces patience. That P word again which produces consistency, which produces fruit. If we're going to produce fruit, we need to be consistent. Growth is consistent. So last Monday, Kevin and I decided to walk up Benahi for my Pyrenees training. You can sponsor me if you like. And so here we are. We've always done the Rowan tree, which is the longest route up Benahi. Now, bear in mind, couldn't walk around the block before. Me and Kevin decide to go up from Benahee Centre. Has anyone done from Benahee Centre up to the top? Jim, have you? I'm super impressed. Did you? We can do it again if you like. City Hearts, just saying. (laughs) So here we are. It actually doesn't give you much of a warm-up. It's up, right? It is pretty steep straight away. And so there's me and Kevin, and it was a very hot day, actually, which is amazing in itself. And we're walking up Benahi from Benahi Center, and uh, there's these kids about halfway up. I can see these kids just sitting on a rock. One of them has a face like a tomato. He is so hot and so exhausted. And we walk up to him and say, you're right, guys. You know, you he's laughing a wee bit. There's me and Kev. I'm going to be 50 this year. Kev's, like, way over 50. And... Uh, <laughs> We're, we're sort of plodding past. And it was really funny because it was a bit like the tortoise in the hare scenario. So there's these five sort of young people. And one of my biggest fears about this Pyrenees walk is that I'm going to be the only 50-year-old. And they're all going to be like 20-odd. And it's like they have to wait for granny. That's one of my biggest fears. So I'm, we get to these kids and they're like, hey, how far is it to the top? We're going, can't be far now, can it? And they're like, well, I don't know. It looks like it's a long way up. And I said, come on, guys, you can do it. So anyway, they get up and they go again. And then we have a little bit of a rest. And then so we pass them again further up. They've sat down again. And they're like fanning their faces and like, oh, this is hard, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, it is hard. Um, and uh, I said, you yeah, know, you can do it. And in the end, because we got fed up of that kind of awkward keep on passing one another thing, you know, it's kind of what, how much you say each time you pass one another. So we just kept on walking and left them behind. Me and Kev look, and there they are. They've turned back. They've turned back. And it's just like they just didn't have the strength to go on. And then I'm looking at them thinking, you are young. You could have done this. You could have done this. But what they were doing is they were doing a burst of energy, sitting down, burst of energy, sitting down. And this tortoise made it not to, not to one peak, but two peaks, just saying. So, <laughs> but in your patience, it produces consistency, and the consistency produces the fruit. We got to the top. So if you can slow yourself down and start building precept upon precept, if you can start slowing and taking a bit of a deep breath in your faith and not trying to strive and not giving yourself these ridiculous goals that you will just set yourself up to fail and you're like, see, this doesn't work. This faith thing doesn't work. You just need to take yourself and just start reminding yourself that faith grows 
and that faith is something that is walked out every day. And there it says in Hebrews 10.35, I've just got to speed up, so do not throw away this confidence, this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patience, endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Consistent heart is a strong heart. And as I say, faith is a substance. There's nothing more there's nothing more consistent than a substance. It's where we've got to twist our mind a bit that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not going anywhere. It's there. It remains. It is consistent. It's just our feelings and emotions and our soul that makes it go all over the place. Okay, last one. Slow faith is a duet, not a solo. But do we actually believe that God is equally present in every moment? Not sure I I'm not sure I have believed that. Equally present in every moment. I've forgotten. And sometimes we think he's looking on rather than equally present. He is Emmanuel, God with us. We walk by faith. We're not running by faith. We are walking because walking is consistent. It's sustainable and conducive to relationship. Walking and talking and listening. But you might say to me, Pastor, but what about the scripture that says, run with perseverance the race that has been set for you. Keeping your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter and finisher of your faith. Run the race like it's only you running the race, keeping your eyes on the prize. What about Paul that said, I have fought the good fight. I have run the good race. I've kept the faith. What about that? But I realize now that running is a mentality of keeping your mind on the prize. I will run and not go weary because I'm keeping my eyes on the prize. I will walk and not grow faint because I am consistently walking with the presence of my God around me continually, aware of his presence, aware that we are co-workers, aware that I am not alone. We are doing this together, aware that he is continually interceding for me. Even before I've even got where I've got to, he's already got there. But he's still walking with me. He's gone behind me. He's gone in front of me. He's beside me. He's that amazing God that he can nurture your faith. He can lead your faith. He can produce the faith in you that is consistent and will remain so that when you die on your headstone is I have kept the faith. So running is a mentality. I will focus and I am running towards the prize, which is Jesus Christ. And walking is an everyday faith that we build and we grow and we get stronger and stronger and stronger. Isaiah 41 verse 13. For I hold you, and this is for somebody today. God showed me this scripture. Someone needs this scripture. Because you've forgotten that God is faithfully present with you right now. For I hold you by my right, by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. 
You don't know what God is doing in your life. You might be in the darkest hour. You might be in the best hour. But he has got a hold of your hand. And when you have somebody holding your hand, you have greater strength. When you start to faint and fall, you just grab a hold of their hand even tighter. And they're going to help you walk along the road that you are walking along. I want to say to you, he's holding your hand. Thank you, Eddie. Not that you um, thought you were going to do that. In Galatians 5.25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Okay, guys, so what is it really about? It's about slowing down. It's not living from experience to experience. It's not living with the formulas and the things. Oh, if I pray more intensely for an hour on Friday nights between 11 and 12, because 12 is such a holy hour. That's what the Bible says. Then maybe I'll feel closer to God or maybe I will just, this addiction will fall away. No, it's an everyday feeding, everyday talking, everyday listening, everyday trusting, everyday knowing he is faithfully present right with you. The Spirit of God ministering and leading to you. Is that okay today? Does that help you today? Slow faith will win the race. Let's stand up, shall we? Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times, and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.